Well, I want you to take out your program. I have an outline back there. I want you to follow along. We're going to dive right in today. And we're going to talk about some exciting things for 2018. I, I almost can't believe it's here. It happens so quick. I, I think the years go faster. I tell my kids who are raising kids, I always say, look, when you're raising kids and having, you know, family stuff, the days go slow, <laughs> but the years go fast. Isn't that true? It's, you, some days you think are never going to end. But uh, then all of a sudden you turn around and two years have gone by. So that's what it feels like here at Timberline a, a lot of times for me. I tell you what, what, what's going on here. We, every year, I try to take the first two or three weeks, the weekends of the year, and talk about Timberline Church, where we're going, why we're doing what we're doing. So if you're new in the last couple of years, this is kind of the, the formula that we use uh, each year to, to launch that vision that's going to kind of set in place. We have planned an amazing year for growth, for expansion, for movement of the Spirit in our lives. And I want you to be ready for that. And so I'm going to take these few weeks and just talk about what that looks like and what it means. The first thing in your outline that I want you to write down if you're taking notes today, number one is simply this, let's climb. Let's climb. And, and I'll explain what that means because... Um, I don't mean physically go on a climb, um, but I'm talking about a spiritual connection that I want to have with you, with God as a church as we climb some 14ers. I think it was three years ago that we started the idea of 14ers at Timberline. It's a metaphor for a mountain to climb spiritually. It's the idea, I mean, with a name like Timberline Church in Colorado on Timberline Road, it's a no-brainer, right? So 14ers, just kind of, it just kind of makes sense. But what we've done is we've printed four 14ers for this year that we're going to focus on. Take out your brochure and open it up. I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to trust you will read it, and I really do hope you will. This is really uh, printed as an invitation for you to join us in the climb in 2018. It's an invitation for you to say yes to what God wants to do in your life, to lay down the barriers and the distractions and to say, let's get after it. Let's do what God is calling us to do as a church. And you're a part of that. Every one of you are a part of that. It doesn't happen without all of us saying yes. Number one, we, we're going to love our neighbors. Now, you'll be hearing more about this as the plan unfolds because our neighborhood here for this campus is Larimer County, even Wyoming. Uh, our Windsor campus is Weld County. Our Old Town campus has its own unique challenges. But, but all of us have a neighborhood that we really want to make a difference in. So we're going to lay out some strategic ideas specifically for, you know, about a mile radius here of what our neighborhood looks like and, and how to bless them, how to encourage them. We're talking about community gardens. We're talking about ideas for some of the land that's not developed yet. We have a big thing going on right now that I hope I can tell you about within the next three weekends that, that we're believing God is behind uh, in further development for Timberline. Uh, number two, we are persistent in prayer. You know, I don't know if you've been to some of the, the prayer gatherings that we have had, but we've been real intentional in 2017 to be really a praying church and to trust God for big things and to let faith grow in our heart. We're going to continue that. So I hope you'll read the small print under that. And prayer is a real big emphasis for us this year. Number three, we are people of the story of God. This one really excites me because, because you have a story. And, and we don't know a lot of your stories yet, but we're going to find out. 
<laughs> we're learning. We already have two or three stories that we're going to tell you this year of people who walked into this building and felt the presence of God and have had life change. I mean life change from prison and drugs to amazing journey with God and now married with kids and a blessed life. I, these stories are just, they're like so inspiring to me. I, I want to tell you something. You know, we can, we can have great music and, and do all the smoke and mirror stuff, but if you don't have the presence of God in the church, there's really no reason for us to be here. And, and that's a big emphasis for us in 2018 is to have God moments where he touches you. He's the only one who can cleanse my mind. He's the only one who can put me on a new path when I need it. He's the only one that can remove like a, 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 a sorrow, a grief that's so deep I don't know what to do with it. God is our hope. And so we're going to facilitate those moments where we might just be still a while. It might feel awkward to you on some of the weekends that we have planned where we say, we're going to sit here for two or three minutes and we're going to just have you write down something that comes to your mind that God's putting in your heart of how to pray for someone in need or whatever it is. But I want you to be willing to stretch in those areas. And then number four, we're committed to generous giving. We talk a lot at Timberline about time, talent, treasure. And so many of you are engaged in ministry. You volunteer, you help, you serve. We say at Timberline, and we really mean this, we want this to be a church where you try stuff. You, you may sign up for something and do it four or five times and go, this is not for me. And, and we're not going to say, oh, no, you signed the contract um, at all. We want you to have the flexibility and freedom to say, I'm going to try that small group. I'm going to try working in the, in the traffic team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up to be an usher or greeter or whatever it is. And if, it's, if it doesn't fit and it doesn't work into your life, then we get that. But we really are committed to you using your time, talent, treasure for the glory of God. Maybe here at campus or maybe in your work, maybe in your kids' schools. But how can we release the love of God into our community? We're passionate about that and we hope you are as well. You know, speaking of climbing and what it means to climb, there's this ascent idea that it's hard work, it's challenging. My wife, her name is Bonnie, and just a few years ago she said, Derry, on my 50th birthday... I think it would be really cool to climb a 14er. And if you aren't familiar with Colorado, a 14er is a peak that's 14,000 feet above sea level. Colorado has the most of any state in uh, America. It has like 54 uh, or 56, depending on which ones you think count. Um, but, but it's a controversy I won't go into. But I said, well, that would be a great idea. I've done a few. And, and uh, I said, you know, none of them are easy, but there's some that are less difficult than others. Trust me, when you read the book on 14ers and it says easy, they're lying. <laughs> okay? None of them are easy. None of them are easy. And so they're all difficult. It's just that there are some that are more difficult. But anyway, we picked Quandry Peak up in Breckenridge. So we went up there. We stayed the night. She was working out. She was ready. We got to the trail early. We start to climb. I've got pictures. Everything's going perfect. And uh, we, we get to the first false summit. If you've ever done Quandry, you know, it's just horrible. Because you, you think that's it. And you get there and it's a whole nother one of those. You know? <laughs> and then there's a whole nother one of those. And so it's very depressing. I will not climb that one again, just so you know. Um, <laughs> And we uh, f 
finally summited. We got to the top. The weather was beautiful. There were lots of people up there who had climbed. But it captured us because there was a, like a family up there with all, multiple generations. We had, we had grandpa and we had mom and dad and we had some little kids like this tall who had made it all the way to the top, no problems. And, and they said, what's your story? And I said, well, Bonnie, my wife, wanted to climb a 14 or her first one uh, when she turned 50 years old. And he said, my story is similar. I wanted to do one when I turned 70. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay, we got some goals. We've got some days ahead. It was very inspiring. But, but here's why I'm telling you this story. It, it hit me that the 14ers that we're climbing at Timberline are for all generations. You know, we're, we're a multi-generation church. We have the youngest and wonderful children. We have a wonderful prime-timer community, and they take trips. They're one of the funnest groups in our church. And, and, and we have that beautiful generational mix. And I just want to say that all these 14ers, as we do these together, it's for all of us. Let's trust God together, and let's say yes to climbing. You have the invitation. You have the opportunity. You have to now make a decision. And you have to make a commitment. Because I promise you, there's no 14er that gets climbed without a decision and a commitment to do it. And so let's talk about how we can do that. Number two in your outline is this. Give it, give it our best. Give it our best. I want this to be more than a slogan. Because you hear people say, well, give it your all. Give it your best. But when I really think about what that means, I have to ask the question in certain things of my life. Am I really giving it my very best in my walk with God? Am I giving God all that I have and all that I am? Am I surrendered at every level in my life? And I, I know that I'm probably not, but I want to be, and I want God to show me those places that I'm not. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Scripture, writes a couple of letters, probably even three, to the church in Corinth. And they have all kinds of issues in Corinth, and I won't get into all of that. But one of the things that he does in chapter 9 that I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24, if you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. He, he pulls out memory lane, Corinthian games, which is similar to what the Olympics has, has become. They had the, the Corinthian games, which was a huge thing. Athletes would go full-time. Um, and, and then the Roman games, and it just, it just became a huge force, which, which now is, is actually the Olympics. And so he's using this idea of a runner who's running a race to capture the minds and hearts and put it into a spiritual sense. Verse 24, he's saying to them, don't you realize that, that in a race or in a climb, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So this final thing, Run to win, exclamation point. Run to win. In other words, do this with your whole heart. Don't do it half-heartedly. Give it everything you have. What does it mean to give our best always? Paul is challenging them to do that. I am challenging us to do that, and I'm believing God will help us. Number three, how can we train? Now, this becomes a very important component of what we do at Timberlight. Because the concept of training is very necessary if you're going to succeed. Let me give you an example. And I've, I've, I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Stop trying and start training. I, I can try to run a marathon tomorrow, you know, but, but I might not make it 
but I could start training to run a marathon, and I'm pretty sure I could do it. And most of you could too as well. And sometimes we say in Christian circles, well, you just got to try harder. That's like some of the worst advice we could ever give people because all it does is beat us up more. Well, I tried. I tried again. What happened? Same thing. I'm still stuck. Still in the rut. I still haven't figured it out. Well, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. Well, how many times can you try harder? Let's start training. So what does it look like? Here's what Paul says in the same passage, verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their what? In their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Now he's getting spiritual on us. We do it for a different reason. We do it for an eternal prize. We do it to please God. We do it so that our lives can somehow be spent and given away by God. Is there such a thing, like, like right now, you know, your gym is full of people who have New Year's resolutions, right? Just wait till February, you'll get all the machines back, they'll be gone. <laughs> but, but it's true, we have, we, have, we have ways in which we get motivated and we work out our physical body to stay in shape, and it's good for us. So my question to you is, if I ask you to write a spiritual workout plan for you to get closer to God and grow in your faith, what would you put on it? Now, I know some of you are thinking, pray, read the Bible. Okay, let's think of some other ones. Those are great. What else would you put on it? Just think about that for a moment. Maybe even write a couple ideas down. A spiritual workout plan. doesn't have anything to do with your physical body. It has to do with your mind, your heart, your soul, the, the spirit man that is in you. I, I really have given some time thinking about this, and I just want to throw out a couple thoughts for you. This is my list, but you need to make your own, okay? But, like, I put daily prayer moments. And the reason I didn't put pray more is because I don't like to pray. And daily prayer moments sounds less intrusive. I'll tell you why. I used to try. As a pastor, there's all kinds of guilt in this. You know, I had friends, they pray an hour a day. It's from, you know, 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. And, and, and they're really, you know, firm on it. And I'm like, well, I, I tried it. You know, and, and after about five minutes, I'm looking at my watch. And I'm going, <laughs> What? So I lowered my goals, you know. I thought, okay, I can pray a certain amount of time. And I still am looking at my watch and the three minutes has gone by. And I'm like, I have two more minutes to go. You know, I can't do it. I'll be dead by then. Um, so I stopped all that nonsense and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to enjoy God. And I am an early riser naturally. So I have this time where I don't set a time. I just say, I'm going to have a daily conversation with the Lord I'm going to let him talk to me. I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to say nothing. I might just sit there and enjoy my coffee, but I'm not going to read the paper or go into that whole thing. I'm going to just sit here with, and focus on God. I encourage you because what's happened over all these years is it's built up my spirit, man. It has allowed me to become more aware of spiritual moments where I'm watching for opportunities throughout the day. Sometimes I'll pray, Lord, what's going to happen today that I need to be thinking about? And God doesn't give me a vision like of someone who needs me to open the door. But that sensitivity allows me everywhere I walk to pay attention to what's around me. And, to, and I'm not trying to make this spooky, but being led by the Spirit is a Bible thing. Amen? And so let's be that. Let's live that. And you're not going to do that unless you're tuned in. And, and think about how you can tune in. Um, I say keep the, keep the tank, you know, on the top half full. 
my dad used to say a real clever thing to my two older sisters because they were driving age before he passed away. And, and he, he would say, Sherry, Angie, it doesn't cost any more when you drive to keep the top half full rather than the bottom half. Same price. And it's a lot more peaceful and you'll stay out of trouble. You know, you're not going to run out of gas sometime. And I see Christians all the time with, with, with no concept of what's going on in the worry and the fret and the anxiety. Why? Because they're on a quarter of a tank. It's on an eight. The light is blinking. And they're just, all they want to do is find a place to, to put something back in the tank. And when, when you're that desperate, I promise, you're going to make poor decisions. You're going to fall into habits. Why? Because you're going to look for a quick fix, what feels good now. We, we have a world that's scrambling and running for a new relationship, a new this, a new thing, a new toy, a new fix. Why? Because they're, on, they're, they're, on half, they're half empty. So find a way in your spiritual tune-up this year to live uh, on the top half of the tank. I want to challenge dads. I want to challenge dads this year to offer your love to your kids. Now, I, I, I'm not challenging moms, but in a sense it is love your kids, moms. But moms do a much better job of this typically in America than dads do. In 1960, the families in America, 11% of families with children at home had homes without a father. Now it's about 35%. 15 million children are being raised right now without dad in the home. And, and I'm not putting anyone on a guilt trip right here. Please hear me. You, you might be a dad sitting here alone and you might say, you didn't know her or why I divorced her. I know. Okay, I'm not in judgment. I'm just saying, would you please, as fathers, love your children? Well, you don't know my kids. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I admit that. I don't. And I don't know the history. But, but I'm praying this year. I'm praying for a revival among fathers. I'm praying for a revival among parents. I'm praying for a revival among relationships that have been broken. Why? Because we need it. Our kids need it. We can clap. It's good. It's good. We need it. Pray with me for that in. Accept the challenge to grow in your faith. That's your mindset. Prepare. Let it be fertile. Don't just say, yeah, go to church. Same old routine. What needs to change this year? What, what needs to happen in you that causes you to overcome something that you haven't been able to overcome before? What is it in your growth that can, that can somehow impact your life enough that real change happens and you become a trainer of others? And it's not just about surviving. That's what I hope. One of my favorite quotes in all the world is Pablo Picasso. And he said this, listen carefully, it's a good one. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. I want to say that one more time. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Now, I wrote a church version of that. <laughs> so here's the church version. The meaning of the church is to find and understand our gifts and the purpose of the church is to give them all away. That is what Jesus did. He knew what he was called to do and he gave himself away so that we could do the same. 
And now here we are with decisions in front of us about doing just that. Number four, lastly, let's look at the fact that we need to stay focused. You know, focus is an interesting thing. And most of our cameras these days has automatic focus. Aren't you glad? Anyone in here remember the days of film? You know, before digital? And, and it was kind of expensive, and you'd put that thing in there and, you know, cock it a few times. And, and then you were careful about how many pictures you took because it cost money to get them developed. And it was so heartbreaking to get them back and have it just out of focus. It's like, what was I thinking? I just couldn't see that. And that's sometimes what happens in our lives when we don't focus. So Paul says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 9, So I run with purpose in every single step. I'm not just shadow boxing, and that's a term of, you know, no one's there. There's, there's no one you're actually fighting. It's all just pretend. He's not pretending. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And then he goes to the spiritual side on this metaphor. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So how can we stay focused? I, I'm a practical guy. When I make lists, it's all about practice. And so I, I literally ask myself the question I want you to ask yourself. And if you're writing stuff down, we're going to take just a second here. Name two distractions that get you when you're trying to focus. Just jot them down. Two things that distract you when you're trying to focus. Or at least think of them in your mind if you don't want to write them down. So when I was doing this little exercise this week, I literally, when I go in my study, I usually shut the door and I'm, I'm really focused. And I don't want distractions. And I had accidentally set my phone on my credenza. And I'm a, I'm a silent phone guy. Like it vibrates, but it never rings pretty much always. And it goes, bzz, bzz. And that's the end of my focus. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Because I'm thinking, okay, is that a Timberline emergency? Is that my kids? Is there something wrong? And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up my phone to look at it every time it beeps. So I finally just decided I'm not taking my phone in my study if I'm trying to focus. So that's just one example of what I'm saying. When you really want to focus, remove the distractions. Clutter is another one. Like if, if I have junk just laying all over, here's the bills, here's pens, here's, a, you know, here's the stuff I laid down from the store, uh, and it just looks like a mess, then I just, oh, I just feel like I need to do that before I can focus. So whatever yours is, figure them out and, and, and remove the distractions in your life and think about what is important to you. List the things that this year you're going to give yourself more to. If it's family, write it down. If it's your health, write it down. Make some specific goals. Here's why. It won't accidentally happen. I promise. It won't. You won't suddenly be thin. I know that's disappointing. You can pray all you want. Oh, God, please, please. God says, nope. You're going to have to have a plan. and You're going to have to trust God. That's why I'm asking you to put to put this thing somewhere on your fridge. We have something else we're going to give you today, um, and it's a magnet. Can you see what this says? Let love live. Um, 
I had a guy in the last service say that he almost yelled out from the back, dairy for president. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. I would not, I would not want that job. Um, but <laughs> I thought that was cute. Let Love Live happened in the 90s when I had someone challenge me. They said, what's Timberline all about? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, give us the one line that describes Timberline Church. And I said, well, we're a community of people who really love people. We love God. No, they said, I don't want paragraphs. just like a phrase. So I don't have one. It really bugged me. So I went home and I started thinking about this. And I was reading in Matthew the passage where it's that they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And I thought, well, man, that's a pretty big statement if Jesus says this. And he says, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so it just rolled off my tongue, let love live. Because the love of God is alive and well in the world. It's us who mess it up. People, people aren't usually ticked off at God. They're ticked off at people who represent God. Because we don't do a very good job of it. And so let love live has become kind of the, the line for us that we put on just about everything we print with the hope that we can let God's love live in the earth. And that it can live in our lives first and others, and that we can let it live in our neighborhoods. And so we want to give you a little magnet, and uh, it's a pretty strong magnet. It's big enough that, that what, what we're doing in our home is we're just putting it like this on our refrigerator. And I would invite you to do that just for, I know it's not, it might mess up your beautiful decor, it doesn't go with it, but just, just for a couple weeks, okay? And, and, and put that up there and, and read through those and pray through those and pray for Timberline Church. And pray for what's going on in your life that you can personally really let love live. I'm going to give you a challenge right now and we're going to have a, a response moment. When I say to you, what does it mean to draw a new line in the sand? What comes to your mind? Just say it. Challenge. A challenge. Fresh start. New beginning. Confidence. Boundaries. When I draw a new line in the sand, I'm saying something. It's kind of like, okay, I, there's a new beginning here. I'm starting over. And, and here's what I want to do. And I've prayed a lot about this this week. Some of you need to draw a new line in the sand. Oh, I've tried that before. Well, let's try it again. Let's try it today among witnesses with the Holy Spirit of God empowering you to step out and believe God for a miracle in your life. Let's try that. Because just trying, as we said earlier, isn't going to cut it. And sometimes my fear of moments like this as a shepherd, and I'm a jealous shepherd, is that you teach people, you know, they, they, they walk up here in faith to try. They go back and they slip up. Something happens. They fall back in the trait and they give up and say it didn't work. And I'm going to challenge that today. When you draw a new line in the sand, it doesn't mean all of a sudden I'm never going to be tempted by that again. What it means is I'm setting my mind, my heart, my body into a resolve position that I'm going to continue to fight this fight. I'm not going to give in to it. I'm going to keep fighting it. I'm going to keep praying about it. I might talk with others about it, but I'm drawing a new line that I'm not going to keep doing the same stuff I've done with, with the same results I've always had. That's drawing a new line in the sand. And I'm doing that with a couple things this year. I hope you will do that with a couple things this year. For some of you, it might be your first time to follow Jesus. 
And whether you're here in this room or in the South Auditorium, I'm challenging you to respond. So I would like, in a moment, we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to ask you to just stand if you're able. And then I'm going to invite some of you who know you need to draw a new line in the sand. And I don't want you to make something up. If you're not being moved by the Spirit to come up here, then don't. But those of you that know, and it might be some marriages. You know, you you might be thinking right now, we don't draw a new line in, in the sand in our marriage. We're not going to make it. Or with our kids or our relationship or finances. Whatever it is, it's none of my business. But God already knows. And I want this to be a resolved moment for the beginning of 2018 in your life. So would you stand if you're able right now?